Hello, optimizers. This is JJ Ruescas, and this is the last episode of this season of Optimizing Me, the show where we invite top performers from different areas of expertise to learn from their stories, their habits, their tactics, their routines, and mostly from their mindset. Today, we are recording from Casa de Luz, one of the most iconic places here in Austin, Texas. Our guest today, even though he does not like to be on the spotlight, well, he is the creator of this haven in the middle of the city. For many people, this place is a restaurant, but that is just a fraction of what this eclectic man has created and developed for more than 30 years. He and the community at Casa invite and inspire the visitors to embrace a macrobiotic diet and lifestyle overall. And we're going to talk about that today. This place is not only about food, but mostly about connection with others, because it is thanks to that that we nourish not only the body, but also something deeper than that. I am personally very excited about this conversation because I owe many beautiful memories to Casa de Luz. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Wayo Longori. Thank you, JJ. Wayo, how is it going? How are you doing? It's an honor to be here. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So let's start with who is Wayo Longoria and what is Casa de Luz? Well, in this context of Casa de Luz, Wayo Longoria is just one cog in the machinery. This is truly a community-created uh, event. Uh, in fact, it the history of it goes back before me. I've been involved in it 40 years, but it goes back more like 80 years. Mm -hmm. uh, started by a Japanese fellow. Uh, his name was uh, George Osawa. And George Osawa took the word macrobiotic, which means macro, big, bio life, so the great life. And he was... a, a true explorer like you, you know, mm. always looking for how best to live a great, how best to live a great life. Uh, and as we go through life and making decisions, micro decisions, uh, as we know, as we all know, it's easier to choose the easier path than mm. not the right path. But if we always make that small effort to go to the right path, then we end up having a, a, a macrobiotic life. Mm -hmm. Now, here at Casa Luz, the word macrobiotics doesn't float around because I've noticed that every time we have a really great discipline that comes around, whether it be Jesus Christ or Mohammed mm -hmm. or Buddha, uh, the adherents will only take a part of the teaching mm. and they, they ossify it. It becomes... Uh, stagnant. Mm. Uh, Rudolf Steiner did the, the Waldorf schools, wonderful schools, but they don't change. Uh, the same thing with Maria Montessori. You know, the Montessori schools are wonderful, but they lack the evolutionary openness of, hey, let's always reinvent ourselves. Mm. And so that's at the heart of what uh, the macrobiotic move is. is a, it's not a formula. Like there's no such thing as a macrobiotic diet. Mm. Because I would say, well, yeah, what is that? Mm. Beans and rice? Well, right. no, not really. If I live in the Arctic uh, Circle, that's not what I'm going to be eating. Because if I live there, I'm going to be eating fish and polar bear. Mm. It's interesting because macrobiotic movement, you mentioned the word movement, which means motion, right? So it is constantly flowing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so we are very keen on not being dogmatic, uh, always exploring 
Uh, and we have stumbled on some wonderful changes. Uh, the last truly wonderful change that happened here was some 15 years ago. Uh, so you said, who am I? Well, I come from Mexico, from an a, a entrepreneur family, and I was in the industrial part of the family. And I was in, in charge of a factory making vegetable oil. Mm. I know a lot about, uh, uh, we call them comestibles, edibles. Edible. Uh, so I know what we do to take a seed or a nut or a coconut and make cooking oil out of it mm. or, or salad dressing oil. Not a pretty sight. Mm. Uh, oil is an unstable molecule and will tend to, uh, uh, will tend to uh, putrefy very easily. Mm. That's why when you know when you buy oils, a lot of times they come in dark glass because mm -hmm. sunlight mm. will accelerate things. So this is an aha, aha moment, and I said, "Look, what we serve here at Casa Luz is unindustrialized, uncommercialized plants. Mm. They don't go through factories, but here we are trying to choose the best oils." And at that moment, I said, "We're not going to use any more industrialized oil." It's, it's, a, it's a movement that's starting to catch on. People are stopping the use of oil. Um, a wonderful friend of Casa Luz is John Mackey. He created, as we all know, Whole, well, most of us know, Whole Foods. Uh, I love when John has come up to me and, and whispers in my ear, thank you for not using uh, processed oil. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, we're, we're really committed to, to looking at what we do over and over again. And as we all should with our lives, because uh, we're all habituated. Mm -hmm. And we start doing things that, that we've memorized. We memorized it from our parents, from our grandparents, uh, genetically. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we're prone to doing things uh, thoughtlessly. So at the... At the Foundationally, Casa de Luz is about exploration. So how is it that Casa de Luz actually started? We talked about 15 years ago with unindustrialized, uncommercialized oils, but what about before, even what was the, the inside or the origins of Casa de Luz? Uh, well, so I spoke about George Sawa. Uh, the movement took hold worldwide. There were macrobiotic centers throughout the world. In Italy, there were... Uh, like 80 restaurants called Un Punto Macrobiotico. Mm. And in Portugal, I have a friend there who goes to a place in Porto, Portugal, called O Macrobiotico. That's mm. today. He ate there today. Uh, here in the United States, it started, uh, took, took hold in Boston. Mm. And, uh, but the movement went throughout the United States. Uh, places that were macrobiotic were called east-west centers. So an east-west center started in the late 70s in Houston, Texas. And some of those people that started it in Houston came to Austin in 1984 and started the east-west center of Austin. Mm. I, by some uh, chance of fate, I started going with my, my friend that's in Portugal now, John McCready, uh, started taking me to the East-West Center. Well, I immediately was drawn to it, not because it was delicious uh, and or or because it was uh, um, 
I, I, I just didn't go back there because it, it was a restaurant. It, mm. it was really a community. And so, you know, I, I'd like to think that community really is a, a, the flavoring for mm. our food. So anyway, uh, loved it. Started being a volunteer there. In 1989, the place burns down completely to the ground. Oh, 89. In 89. Uh, well, a lot of us that were counting on that community and our wellness scrambled. And a friend of mine, Marianne Justman, and I started cooking out of her house. And we were feeding about 25 people for lunch. Wow. And... Uh, after about a year, we figured that the East West Center wasn't going to be rebuilt. That's what we were waiting for. And we found the place that we're sitting in right now, which was an abandoned meat packing factory. <laughs> and we could move the cameras around. You, you can see the beams where the, the bodies were, went through the factory, pieces cut off, uh, go out the front door, not looking like body parts. By the way, I, I, you asked me who I am. I used to be a heavy meat eater. Mm. I was in the in the meat industry in Mexico. That was part of the, what, the, one of the business of your family. Yes, mm. we were entrepreneurs. Yeah, meat eater entrepreneurs. Yeah. I, well, you know, I I was put in charge of uh, one of the family ranches. It was a hundred thousand acres, eight thousand motherhead. We had a wildlife preserve. I held safaris where people paid wow. us money to go kill animals so they could put their heads on the on the wall. <laughs> so let me let me put a pin here on the Casa de Luz story to go a little before that. <laughs> so how come you are on that realm of the business and how do you end up in microbiotic? Well, I've thought of giving it a lot of thought. I think that when we eat animals, uh, it uh, makes us thick in the head. You know, it makes us insensitive. Uh, people go to war when they don't know the enemy. And, you know, you sit down and eat with them. You're not going to go kill them. Well, it's the same thing with animals. Uh, so I was, I became completely desensitized. Uh, when we work cattle, is what we called it, is when you take the, the cows and you separate them from the calves and all the mooing that goes on, I used to think that that's just what cows do. They, they moo. Today, I say the mother was looking for her calf and the, the calf was looking for the mother. Hmm. And then we take the calves, uh, we take the males, we castrate them. Uh, we were so tough and macho that we take their testicles and put them on the hot iron and cook them and eat them. I mean, this is, this is the life I used to live. But when I stopped eating meat, I start seeing clearer. I noticed it. And now it's been 40 years that I don't eat anything animal. And it's given me a lot of clarity of thought. Mm. So uh, animals are, we're animals. Yeah. So if we're eating our own species or our, our own kingdom, then you know, we're, we're committing a, a major sin. Mm. I'm using the word sin like in the archery term, off the mark. Yeah. Question. So what was the specific moment when you said, I made, I make the decision from this moment on, no more? Uh, there wasn't a moment. It's been a gradual awakening. Mm. I see people that, that have spontaneous awakening. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, it was gradual. 
every year I could see clearer and I became healthier. Mm, yeah. You know, reward, when man. you get healthier, you know, JJ, for me, plants, well, first of all, eating is the most in- intimate relationship we have. Mm. The other one is when we procreate. And that happens not so often. Mm-hmm. But we eat every day. So this is a very intimate relationship. So when we take these plants into our body, I like to think that it's not about carbohydrates, protein, fats, calories. Calories are, is a really silly uh, metric you know, to, to think of, of health. Well, I want to reduce my calories. No, reduce the food that's not, or, or, you know, plants that are not good for you. So, uh, so my metric is that when we take these plants in, they come in with a message. And that message sets our rudder for life. It's, it's like in, instructions from the bio, my, microbiome. Mm. They speak to us. It's information. Food as information. It's, it's information. But it's, a, it's also a holy relationship that we have with Mother Earth. And when we become disconnected and, we, and these plants go through factories, it, it, it makes the message uh, unclear. Mm. Yeah, it messes with the message. And so let me go back now to the point of Casa de Luz. Okay, or prior to Casa de Luz, because we, you found this meatpack place. And how did it develop from that point on? What was the expectation? Okay, so when we found this abandoned meatpacking plant, yeah. uh, Mary Ann's uh, teacher, she had some children at a Montessori school. And her teacher wanted to start his own school. And they wanted to do it here because this place is rather large. As much as it was in decay at the time, uh, we still were able to rebuild it. It was built like a refrigerator, by the way. It was uh, styrofoam clad by aluminum. Uh, so the walls are like refrigerator walls. The roof had co- collapsed. But anyway, we started the, the school uh, all the time wanting to start the, the community center. Mm. Uh, but we got busy uh, starting the school and... Then uh, it wasn't until 1991 that we were relegated to the back part of this property, which is the warehouse of the meatpacking plant. And so it was January 27th, 1991, that we served our first meal. And by the way, something that's been really wonderful for Casa Luz is since we were at the back of the property, people had to go through a path to get all the way to the back. It's a decompression zone. Have you experienced it? Yeah, oh, for sure. Just walking from there over there. Oh, I always hear people saying, where did I get into? Like, yeah. this place is so magical. Yeah, it, it, it uh, really helps to set the tone. You know, we were talking to Knife, your videographer. Yeah. And we were talking about chewing. Uh-huh. And how if you get sick, I think the first thing you ought to do is not go to the doctor, but start chewing your food. So we have a digestive system that starts in the mouth. So when we chew, we activate our parotid glands, which produces the, en- the digestive enzymes, which are alkaline, and prepares the food to go into our stomach, which is the most acid part of our, of our being. And then mm-hmm. it goes to the pancreas, and the pancreas goes alkaline. So, you know, it's the viven of life, the, the going and coming, mm-hmm. alkaline, acid, alkaline, acid. 
uh, cold, hot, man, woman. Uh, the duality. And, and yes, the duality, which also reminds me that at the foundation of the macrobiotic studies is yin and yang, mm. the two basic energies of the universe. Hmm. And uh, it, you notice at the back part of the dining room. Yeah. There is a... What, what do you say? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. It's beautiful. It's the yin-yang made out of plants. Yes. Yeah. And they're placed according to their expansiveness and their contractiveness. Mm. And then the two dots of the yin-yang symbol are the yang at its extreme becomes yin. Mm. And yin at its extreme becomes yang. So these are the things that we that underpin you know, everything that we do at Casa mm. So going back to the design, because this, like, I'm, like we mentioned, a restaurant is just a fraction of what you guys do. And the entire village actually is designed, now that I think about it, to get people out of the day-to-day the -day state or erratic or frantic state into a more relaxed state. What other designs have you thought to promote that relaxation? I will not take credit for any of the design. Yeah. Uh, it really is a community effort. But I always dreamed of living in a uh, community-centered place where it's walkable. And never did I, well, I actually kind of imagined it. But what's ended up happening here on Toomey Road, where we're located, is that multifamily uh, developments have come next door mm -hmm. on both sides and a little further. So there there are six 250-unit buildings within a very short walk, within three or four minutes. And what's happened is that a lot of the people that are coming to live here now come to Casa Luz, and it's their community center. Yes, they can get their nutrition, but this is where people come and meet and hang out. They bring their children, their dogs. We're in front of the park, which is really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you... And you asked me earlier what I saw in the future, what I, I wanted to do in my future, and that is to support anybody that wants to have a community center in their city or in their part of uh, where they live. Mm -hmm. And Casa de Luz stands ready to support them and teach them everything we, that we know, that we've learned throughout the years uh, to have such a place. You know, food and drink are so important in bringing people together. Uh, the, I'd like to think that before, when I wanted to get together with my friends, well, you'd have to call them up and then say, hey, do you want to get together? And then you'd have to think of a place to go. And then you'd have to get an hour to go. And when you arrive, nobody arrives there at the same time. Then you have to wait for the waitress to sit you down. And once you're sit, then you're interrupted with a menu right. and the order. And, and usually the, the waiter or the waitress that comes every ten minutes saying, "Is everything okay?" Is exactly. When you're so in the middle of a, yeah, when you're in the middle of a great conversation. So my life in the last forty years is that I arrive here, and I look around and I'm sit at a table, instant friends. Hmm. Yeah, most of the time I know eighty percent of the people I'm going to sit with, but there'll be one or two that I didn't know but they quickly become a friend without any effort, without having to wait for others, without the interruption of a waitress coming by. Mm. 
without the distraction of having to choose what might be the healthiest for me right? and to compromise that I'm not, maybe not going to get the healthiest thing because what I, we get at Casa Luz, everything has been curated for all this time to serve only what we think is best. And that's what I what blows my mind uh, every time that I come here. That I call it. You have not optimized for for diversity in terms of of choices of food, but you have optimized for deliciousness. So you know it's completely guaranteed that every time you come here, it's healthy and delicious. Okay, but I'm okay. I'm going to talk about delicious. Sure. Where does delicious happen? I can tell you that most of the people that I know, like my father, who had congestive heart failure the last 10 years of his life. He couldn't eat this. He would come and sit and look at his plate, and he wouldn't even taste it. He wasn't used to it. Now, he's a very disciplined man. He was never overweight, but he had congestive heart failure. By the way, that just means congestion of your uh, uh, circulatory system. Mm -hmm. The thing is that delicious is not, it, it resides in what we've accustomed our palate to. So anybody coming to this new, like your videographer knife is going to go taste it for the first time, forget the taste. Just be in communion with that you're eating these holy plants. Mm. And by the way, holy, whether you spell it H-O-L-Y or W-H-O-L-L-Y, mm. it's the same word. Mm -hmm. You're eating holy plants. Mm. Not created by us. They, they were here before we were, right? That, mm -hmm. that, So th this is a religious experience. That's what we were actually talking about, right? Mm -hmm. You have created this ritual around food and communion thanks to, or with the excuse of having a meal. But like you said, how many yes. times I came here by myself and sitting by myself and I start meeting people immediately and it creates a completely different way to absorb the nutrients. Yeah. There should be more places like this around the world. Mm -hmm. And there were... They were in the past. We need to bring them back. Uh, so I use the word religious. Well, it happens to be that it comes from Latin, religare, which means to rebind, to put things back together. Hmm. So for me, religion isn't going to a building, uh, seeing a man dressed in, in strange clothes <laughs> and you know, doing smoke and ringing bells. Yeah. My religion is this communication that I have with Mother Earth by eating plants. Mm. So, what are, would you say, some of the misperceptions or mis mis misconstructions that people have around food that you see there and that Casa Luz is trying to rewire, is helping people to rewire? Well, one really big one for me is I don't take any supplements. I've taken to not calling what's on my plate food. I've taken to calling it plants. Now, when we call it food, we're only addressing one tiny sliver of what that living organism is. Plants have many, many functions. We humans would not be on this earth if it were not for plants. So by calling it plants, I address their wholeness. Hmm. And so you can see all these terms that I used to use as a Catholic, uh, where I was given a highly refined bleached wheat wafer that wasn't even gluten-free <laughs> to this holy communion of plants on my plate that uh, come into my body and become one with me. And science cannot fathom 
the depth of the interactions that we have with plants and what happens inside our body. Hmm. Let's not even start because plants, like you said, have this whole spectrum from from nourishing us to healing us, like plant medicine, for example, especially in Latin America, right? Yeah. And nowadays more over here. So in that regard, what are the, the like I said, misconceptions? Do you think that one of the, the top misconceptions is that the people just consider food as something that we intake and, and it's for processing or helping get energy or... What other misconceptions do you see? Well, you know, you and I are Hispanic. Uh -huh. I come from Mexico. Bolivia. Bolivia. Yeah. And uh, I missed my Latin roots in that I, I think Latin Americans are closer to the earth mm. than industrialized, uh, the industrialized world. Mm -hmm. I have a theory that it, it was cold climates that created industry. Mm. So it, when you live in the tropics, you can build a champa, which is a little house, in three mm -hmm. days. And food is just growing around. You just reach up to a tree and mm -hmm. uh, eat plants. But if you live in the close to the Arctic Circle, if you don't have an industrial mind, when winter comes around, from one day to the next, you perish. Mm -hmm. So only the people that were able to think ahead and know that it was going to get cold and were able to store their food and created transportation in a, in a close device called an automobile or a bus. Only those people survive. So industry happens closer to the poles. Of course, you would ask why in the, in the northern hemisphere did it happen and not in the southern hemisphere. That I haven't figured out. But we Hispanics... Uh, are closer to the earth because we're closer to the equator mm -hmm. and it keeps us connected to the natural biorhythms of of this planet hmm. this is very interesting i never thought about that and now that you also mentioned the um, closeness to the connection with nature basically casa luz is, is, is shortcutting or removing all the barriers that we have probably uh, created artificially right starting with with phones and stuff like that yeah and and i'm glad you mentioned that because that's what loses humble it, it's a very simple humble place uh if you walk into the dining room the only things that we have on the wall are significant everything we do has to have significance it has to be thought through i love bill mollison the founder of permaculture because he said when you do something do it for as many reasons as possible. When we live our lives uh, using that idea, then that means that we're thoughtful. We, we gave it enough thought to say, okay, if, if I'm going to eat this, what are all the reasons I'm going to eat it? And the more reasons that you can come up with, the more thoughtful you are and the better your life is going to be. Mm. Now, while your question... This community has been evolving for, like you said, 40 years. How do you keep, or what do you think is the key of Casa de Luz, the community here at Casa de Luz, to keep the evolution and not get stagnant in words, like we said, right? This movement, or I would say, I wouldn't call it movement, but this word or this dogma started working well at some point, at some, at some point but then it stagnated, yeah. right? What about, what do you think one of the, or several of the factors that keep community, this community here evolving? I think what keeps us healthy 
is a constant reminder that it's not one person doing this. Mm-hmm. And that when you come, you have the opportunity to opine, to step into the kitchen. You know, we have a very simple uh, volunteer program. Anybody wants to cook, they don't have to sign up. They just arrive. They tell the, the host, I want to cook. They go in, wash their hands, cover their hair. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think that's one of the things that people here that come to Casa Luz, they don't realize you have a volunteer program. Yes. So how, how does that, is that that simple? It's that simple. That simple. It's just that, uh, it, and for that reason, it's always been important that Casa Luz be a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the year, if there's any money left over, uh, what distinguishes me from all the other people that work here is that I don't participate financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any money that's left over gets gets uh, distributed amongst the cooks, the hosts, the maintenance people. Uh, so it's a true nonprofit. And all these years, especially lately when prices have gone up and we've raised salaries twice since the pandemic. Uh, we've also uh, increased the, 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 the bonuses at the end of the year. And yet, we, you, know, you hear all the restaurants compa- complaining that they can't make it and they have to raise their prices. We have not raised prices in, I don't know, 10 years. It's, mm-hmm. it's a miracle. I don't understand it. It just keeps working. <laughs> Now, we're talking about food and, and, and the restaurant, but you have plenty of other spaces. This place is huge. It's massive, the community. What else is, mm-hmm. is people missing or they are not aware from what they have here? Well, again, I think it's been important to be a nonprofit. Uh, so we're never motivated to uh, increase the margins or mm. go into the, into the um, accounting part of it and be in a, in a trusting nature that it does work out because it has for all these years. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see definitely that this, this place is not only surviving, but thriving and adapting, like you said. And uh, you have also several of the rooms here, so it's also an educational. So let's talk about these four elements. We were talking right before, of the, before we start recording of four elements that you guys have here, which is educational, experiential, community, and wellness center. Let's talk about that. Okay, so when I got involved in macrobiotics, there was a, a journal. It was called Macrobiotics Today. And every journal would have somebody define what macrobiotics is. Mm. And it always changed. So I always like to play around with what this place is. And one of my favorite is I call it an educational experiential community center, wellness community center. So those are the four things. So educational, because when people come that have accustomed themselves to eating highly processed foods, they're learning a new way of being, and it's very profound. Experiential, because they're learning by doing it. Wellness, well, that's kind of obvious. And and community is that that's, community happens. So we have an open kitchen. We have community tables. Very important element. Everybody eats the same meal. Mm. So we're getting this vibratory quality from the, from the plants that sets our rudder, sets our sails, and allows us to communicate better with others. Although there's a great diversity of people that come here, there's always good connection. Mm. 
You know, every time that I hear you say community or in Spanish comunidad, to me it sounds come en unidad, like oh, eating yes. community, right? I love it's that. Like, yeah, Brr. yeah. It's it's fun to see the etymology of words and see how much they apply. Like yeah. I said, religion yeah. and uh, yeah, comunidad. Yeah, that's beautiful. Why well, so now? What are some of the experiences that over these 40 years have shaped? And and you thought that oh, this is so tough, and we would consider it air quote failures or some tough situations that actually be became at the end growth catalyst for the community and even for yourself, right? Because I know that you don't like to be in the spotlight. Nevertheless, it's thanks to you that many of these things have, have, have come well, to fruition. I, I, I'll tell you that I think my, my most important uh, job here is to keep the center of the wheel empty. So the hub is the center of the wheel and the spokes go out. And, and most organizations work that way. There's somebody at the hub and then there's all the spokes. But every day I try to get out of the way. Uh, so I was telling you that next year I'll be 80 years old. So I figure I'm on my last leg. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this place will indeed uh, find its new life without me. So I got to make sure that n nobody does a statue of me. And oh, yeah. We have a little Buddhist statue there. I, you know, uh, I was we, having. A, we may not have a statue, but we will have a video. Let me tell you. <laughs> <a> video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just this morning, I was having a conversation about why humans are so hierarchical, and it's not just humans. You know, we have the the pecking order, birds. You know, there's always one bird that eats first, uh, but we we are genetically imprinted to create hierarchy. I see that all over, but I really like doing all I can to erase hierarchy at Casa Luz. Hmm. So if you think about it, who, who is really valuable here are the people that are handling those plants that we eat. And the people doing the accounting, hmm. you know, we're not gonna eat the spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I can see where both things happen. I can see humans' tendency to create heroes. Mm. And the heroes get paid a lot, you know, football heroes and oh. movie star heroes. Uh, did you see the, the halftime show for the right. – uh, I didn't – I watched it only because I went to YouTube. I was curious because they – I know they always do an extravaganza. Yeah. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, it's kind of the opposite of what we do at Casa de Luz. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's creating these iconic, well, you used the word iconic before, but here it's different. In, in fact, no, let's, let's talk about iconic because it really does apply. Not to have an icon. An icon mm -hmm. is a, only a symbol of something else. Just like the, the, I talked about the holy host at the Catholic mm -hmm. Church, it's a symbol. Mm. But here it's the real thing. So he, here our holy host is the food, and it mm. does have a function. So didn't you mention something about cutting out the middleman? Mm -hmm. yeah. Also in the Catholic Church, we always have to go through a middleman. Right. You know, the Virgin Mary, or you right. have to go through Jesus. To, uh -huh. and, and here, I, a I, It's a part of the hierarchy. 
Yes, it's hierarchical. Uh So I still have to wait and see what happens within my cosmological view of hierarchy and what it means. And can we really eliminate it? Mm. Uh, But we certainly make an effort around here. Mm. And that's so interesting. And 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 this is reminding me of how new technologies like blockchain, it's helping people to decentralize things, which means removing. There you go. So it is a a, a kind of a wave that's coming through with humanity. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, it's happening in other places. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's um, there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Um, wow. So what I'm hearing is also um, Casa de Luz becomes the yink of a yang at some point to counterbalance. Always happening, yes. Hmm. Yeah, and also we're counterbalancing. So we've had a movement towards industrialization mm-hmm. for a while. So I was alive when TV dinners came around. Uh, and uh, that was, you know, the start of industrialized food. And it just expanded over and over again. There's a factory in New Jersey that makes the flavors for all these hamburger places so that they always taste the same. And there's a real movement, even in my lifetime, a movement from that industrialization back to being closer to the earth. Maybe it's a Casa de Luz's time has come. Maybe it's this moment in time that it's going to be expanded. Mm. I wanted it to be expanded years back, decades back, in fact. And uh, in fact, my son and I did a Casa de Luz in, in San Diego, California. It didn't work because we went to a highly commercial place, very expensive business. So it moved the needle towards being a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why it didn't work. I really don't know. Uh, But I I certainly would love to help anybody out there that's gotten interested in this kind of community, this Mm -hmm. wellness community. And you can just reach out to us and, where we stand ready to share everything we've learned. And it's beautiful that at some point, I remember last year we were talking about how to expand this type of community, not only to other areas of the city, but also to organizations or to companies. We were talking about that, do you remember? You know, Elon, if you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) you could have these places in every one of your factories Mm. and create community. Right. And it's inexpensive. That's the wonderful part about it. And people produce more. When you eat this way, you don't get groggy after eating. You produce more. You think clearer. Mm. If I think from a performance standpoint, from nervous system standpoint, this thing is nourishing the, 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 the nervous system. And what I mean, this thing is not only the plants, but also the entire ecosystem that was created. Therefore, after leaving Casa de Luz, I would say I have never heard anyone that is complaining. Actually, it's the opposite. They feel great. So how about replicating that in small uh, portions or in small versions in organizations or companies? It sounds fantastic. Imagine a developer doing a subdivision. Oh, by the way, I'm also a passionate new urbanist. Uh, That movement started about 30 years ago Mm -hmm. with uh, some 
architects, planners, engineers, and city officials. They got together at the Awani Hotel in Yosemite, mm -hmm. and they wrote out what would make a livable city. And some of those characteristics are things like walkability, porches, no setbacks so that you're closer to the street, places for people to walk. So you don't build a city for cars, you build it for people. Mm. And imagine a town center that has a community center and gardens growing their food. Another quote by Bill Mollison is that his definition of insanity was not to be able to look out your window and see your food grow. What he's referring to is connection. Mm. I also like to call Casa the Church of Connection. Hmm. It is indeed. It is definitely. So let me ask this other one that I barely started talking about this. But is there any point that that you felt a? Is there any point in the story of Casa de Luz when it was such a difficult moment? How did you deal with that? You personally or as a community? How did you deal with something that came? Okay. Well, there's two parts to that. Mm -hmm. There's Casa de Luz, uh -huh. which has a life of its own, uh -huh. and me. Right. 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 Certainly, I went through many crises. You know, uh, the city of Austin uh, has been on our case for 20 years. No exaggeration. Uh, it started that we didn't have our own parking. Now the city has moved in the 20 years. The city has moved to not wanting parking lots because now the whole world is adopting the new urbanistic ideas of walkability and mass transit. Uh, cars are not our friends. We, I, mean, I have a love-hate relationship with cars. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we've, one particular time, they actually came, the code enforcers came and put a big yellow sign on our front door saying it was closed. Well, they had done it illegally, and uh, we have a next code person who was with the city for 30 years that now defends us. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, he speaks their language. Mm. Because back then when they started wanting to close us down for not being in compliance, uh, we would go and the whole community would go and, and show up and, and protest. Wow. But the city would only dig their heels in further uh -huh. because they don't like to be forced. Nobody likes to be forced. And and so Stuart Hirsch, this wonderful fellow, he goes and talks to him and uh, and he asks me to not be involved. So it's Christmas every day for me. So yeah, I've had I've had crises, but Casa Luz, it just keeps going, right. and uh, I it just I just can't see any of officialdom coming and closing such a great place, especially when it's serving so many people mm. in this neighborhood. Right. Now, people come from all over, but the wonderful thing, it's really becoming a regional, no, I'm sorry, not regional, local, very local. Uh, and it'll keep it open in the future when people don't get in their cars. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for example, it's exactly what happens during Christmas, for example, when there there are uh, trail of lights here in oh, Austin yes. or anything, right? Like, and and uh, ACL. Yeah, and ACL. ACL. Yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, we... Casa Luz stays open every day of the year. I mean, here That's, even in, in Christmas, we spend yeah. Christmas together. <laughs> yeah, and we, and, we, and we had that snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, 
and nobody had power. You know, the, the kitchen was warm because we did have gas. Yeah. We didn't have water or, or power, but we still serve food. It's funny that you mentioned that because I even had taught a class here just with candles yeah. during the storm. <laughs> so, so you see, I, I ought not to worry about Casa Luz. No. So when you say any crisis, yeah, I had personal, personal crises. And so did others. But what was your narrative during any of those ones? What is what's that keeps you moving forward? Uh, I guess it's trust, you know, that uh, it's meant to be. It, it, th this is why I'm so clear that it's not one person making this happen. Hmm. And it's got to prove itself. I, I got to be gone for that. Hmm. Yeah. Not looking forward to that quite yet. But That's uh, going to be the ultimate test. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it keeps itself alive. People like you, JJ, you know, taking the time to oh, interview me and share this with all of you. It's just wonderful. It's what mm -hmm. I want to do. I want to share that something so simple and humble uh, can be so powerful and life-changing. Mm -hmm. This is beautiful. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Why? Why? We're getting to the end of our, some of our some of our um, questions here. So, what is the definition now? Now that we are interviewing, mm. why you are we're interviewing Casa de los? We're interviewing right. two people right now, or two it. entities today, right? So, what is the definition of, of a successful day for Casa de Luz? And also, what is the definition of a successful day for Wayo? Well, I, first of all, I love that you saw the difference between me and Casa de Luz. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a mere spokesman, mm. and that Casa de Luz is an entity unto itself. That's really great, JJ. Uh, a really great day is when, and by the way, it happens quite often, uh, that people discover Casa de Luz. As you well know, there's no advertisement. Mm -hmm. We, you drive by the, the street and you can't see that it's a place to come in and be in community and have a meal. Mm -hmm. it, it really is for those that are uh, seeking it out. But mm -hmm. when people find it and you see them feel like they've come home, it's a really great day. Mm -hmm. And that translates to a really great day for this person here. Right. You know, to be in service. Mm -hmm. So as I, as I figure I'm on the last leg of my life, that the only thing that is worthwhile in life is to be in service. Mm -hmm. If you're depressed, get out and serve somebody else. Get out of your own skin. And I love uh, when I was doing this, this research, uh, at some point in an interview, you said, if you're depressed, go hug a tree. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, get in touch with nature. Commune with nature. Mm -hmm. Have a have a whole plant meal. Hmm. This have, is have sex with a whole plant meal. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Why you? What is something that Casa de Luz, the Casa de Luz community, and also yourself had and learned and learned over the last years that improved the quality of your lives? Okay, so I'm not going to answer quite how you think I'm going to answer. Go for it. One of my challenges 
is I have to remind myself every day that I'm living the best life ever. So in the past, going to a restaurant was an event. Mm. It was a celebration. It was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, after going out to eat, I had to come home and take an Alka-Seltzer yeah. and not feel so great the next day. So my challenge is that every day is wonderful. Mm. And I have to remind myself of that. Otherwise, if you're having wonderful every day, then what's to distinguish it from not wonderful? Mm. So now I'm free from disease. I'm free from aches and pains. And so I'm not trying to get healthy anymore. I am mm. healthy. But yeah. I'm successful in, in, in that reminder that this is really a great life. It's uh, really macrobiotic. It's beautiful what you said. The I am is so powerful. This identity of I am healthy. From my perspective, I, I, it's very easy to to go into the I am and to the I want to be, which is still something that I'm learning. That's that's reason this thing is called optimizing me because I'm in constant optimization or trying to find better versions. Nevertheless, what you how you stated that I am right here, right now, healthy, and this is how I live because I don't need to go get a restaurant to reward myself. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly, you got it. Mm. You got it. I remember that well when I used to be that way. Hmm. Uh, I, there, there is a caveat for everybody out there. The life, this life, is a slippery slope. It's very easy to eat a bowl of ice cream. Bluebell, chocolate chip, vanilla ice cream. Very easy. It, it immediately is that word delicious hmm. because it... it, it goes to your pleasure receptors. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all, all you want to do is have the next one. Mm -hmm. So for me, this life of worthiness is effortful. Not big effort, but little efforts. So harkening back to a while ago when I say, in life we have all these micro decisions. When I get up, it's a micro decision for me to get on my exercise machine, which I do every morning. Hmm. It's not effortless. There is effort. Mm -hmm. And for the runner that goes out and runs every day and their body now is accustomed to it, I don't know about all of you, but for me, it's always there's always a, a modicum of effort. Mm -hmm. there, when, if I take a trip, which I don't do often now because I don't want to be away from my community <laughs> and my food, uh, but if I do and I start eating otherwise and it's not uh, it's processed food, when I come back, there's always a little mm. barrier. But mm. I get it. I get over that barrier and I'm right back into the groove, which is a wonderful groove. So I surmise that life is effort mm. if you want to live healthy and happy. Hmm. I'll call that one, many people call it the resistance. That little ah, you know, you know that this one, this this activity is healthy or is is going to provide you with with satisfaction, but a deeper and I would say a very um, soul satisfying um, feeling. But there is also a little bit of resistance. But once we go through that, we get back into yeah. We're talking about the same thing. Uh -huh. So what about you when you go exercise? I mean, I know you exercise. Look at the guy. <laughs> so. Do, 
do you do it with glee? You say, oh, I can't wait. I, actually, I feel the resistance, right? Nevertheless, but, yeah, I know that it's, it's a little bit. And like you said, uh, nowadays, I sometimes I wake up and I don't even remember how I got to the gym because now it got so, right. I got used to it. Yeah. So, so we need to... We need to habituate ourselves to only good things. Mm. You know, when uh, people come and they're new to Casa Luz and they'll admit that uh, they love chocolate cake. And, I, and they say, what do I do? I love chocolate cake. And so my already formulated answer is, yeah, chocolate cake does not love you. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is don't love anything that doesn't love you back, including people. You know, don't don't fall in love with someone that isn't reciprocating. Uh, same thing with food. Same thing with our habits, the places we go to. Just only love things that love you back. It's, it's hilarious that you said that because I had to refrain myself for uh, with accounting. I used to dislike accounting so much, but for a business, you must learn at least. So I ended up one day yelling out loud, "I love." Accounted, accounting yeah. loves me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. worked. Yeah, yeah. Well, that second part, accounting loves you, it makes your life easier. Yeah. So if it's, the effort's going to pay off. Right. And that's what we look for. Look, it's uh, instant gratification versus delayed gratification. Mm. Except the wonderful thing about eating this way is delayed gratification, the more you do it, that gratification becomes more instant. Hmm. just like running you know if you're a couch potato and you get out there to run the first time you're gonna get sore it was not pleasant you want to throw up it's terrible but you keep doing it and then you start producing the, the, the chemistry that makes you happy and you start looking for forward to it uh and and then it starts becoming instant gratification hmm. yeah yeah that's that might be really obvious to a lot of you. If you if you're so. a JJ audience, then you're already <laughs> onto all of these things. So my apologies for stating the obvious. So let's go into the last few questions while you very quickly, what are the habits that you practice talking about habits that make the best version of yourself? What do you think? Uh, well, you know, the, the pillars. <laughs> so the pillars is eat, coming here three times a day, exercising no matter what, every single day, uh, getting some sunlight and being in service. Mm. I'm probably missing something. Uh, Sleeping. Oh, sleep. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, oh, saying. yes. Oh, that's a very important one. You know, come nine o'clock, uh, I want to stay up. There, there's so many things I want to do. But, you know, just a little bit of effort, turn everything off. Everything slows down, and I get sleepy, and I go to sleep. Yes, that was the other one. Thank yeah, you, JJ. Sure, my pleasure. I, I, you just remind me of, of something. I've been thinking about uh, running an experiment, a 30-day experiment on what would happen if I would go to eat three times per day to Casa de Luz for 30 days. That's what. Oh, I'm I love that. I love that. In fact, it, most of you are uh, familiar with a super size uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Where this normally healthy person eats at uh, at McDonald's every single meal and he's being monitored as he gets sick as he as he hates it and then loves it and then can't get away from it you know all these things happen and uh i had a friend who was a macrobiotic teacher 
and I urged them to do a movie of the opposite. You know, uh -huh. somebody that's really sick, we get doctors, or a whole group of people, let's say, and they just eat all their meals here. By the way, I am absolutely convinced that no one can produce a meal like this at home for the same price. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good reason to come volunteer now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, you th think about it. To do the, 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 the variety of plants that we serve here at Casa Luz, and you cost it out. Cost out your time, the mm. gas, stove, everything. It'll cost you more. Mm. There's also a lot of waste at home. Mm -hmm. We hardly have waste here. Wow. You have optimized even that. We have optimized it, yeah. And the the leftovers, the what, pe what people put into the compost, goes to some families that have some, they live on some acreage. You ought to see the paradise they produce by using the compost that we produce. Wow. Because it goes with seeds and things like that. So they have all kinds of volunteer food growing. I need to hook you up. Already you just gave me an idea because this is going to serve a couple of other communities that I'm connected with. I'm going to get you in touch with those yeah. ones. Man, this is so good. This is fantastic. You know, one of my axioms is when you do something right, it'll be right for a lot of reasons. And the reciprocal is also true. When you do something wrong, it'll be wrong for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's so many compelling reasons to make those micro decisions the right decisions. Hmm. Nice. What, who are your mentors or role models or who were your mentors or role models? Mm. Well, at this very moment, you are. <laughs> you know, I, I was talking about the icons and things uh -huh. like that. And so, yeah, I, I have, like, everybody inspires. I mean, people doing the right thing inspire me. Uh, if I were to choose individuals, I, I, I do admire Elon Musk and what he's accomplished. He, he has really shifted the needle for humanity. Uh, you know, and when people do that, notice how many people attack Elon Musk? <laughs> If you get out there and really do the courageous thing, you're going to have detractors. Oh, yeah. Arthur Schopenhauer said, a new idea first is ridiculed, then it's attacked violently, and then everybody accepts it, accepts it as, as, as common. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, but you asked me who, who my mentors are. Clearly Schopenhauer is another one. Yeah. So uh, n another one is George Osawa, who, mm -hmm. who really is the person who started this this whole movement. Mm -hmm. uh, his literature is, is wonderful. Uh, this morning I was reading uh, Carlos Castaneda, mm. and I I need to be get back into that kind of sorcery, Don mm -hmm. Juan Matus, the Indian Yaqui sorcerer, mm -hmm. and the Yaquis were the holders of the wisdom in Mexico. Mm. And they were in touch with plants. And they were in touch with plants, yeah. Hmm. yeah I call plants um, a different type of technology that helps us commute or even see realms that were not obvious. You know, when we go scientific on things, we're going to miss the big picture. Hmm. Yeah, I was. I said I talked about um, calories. To, to determine calories, they take food, they put it in a, in a device called the bomb, 
they heat it up and see how many how many extra uh, heat molecules there'll be uh, BTUs. Mm -hmm. What does that have to do with our health? It, it's so unrelated and so distracting. So if we eat low calorie food. What craziness is, does that mean? Go go for the food that that is whole, real, honest to the, the ground. But you know, I I can't not say this. Most of the food that we eat is a collaboration between humans and nature. Mm -hmm. Cauliflower, uh, broccoli, all, all these foods that we commonly eat don't occur in nature alone. Hmm. It's a co-creation then. It's a co-creation. Interesting. And and it's okay. I've I've come to terms with that being okay. That we are part of nature and we can enhance it for the good or for the bad. Hmm. As much as I don't like to think of things as good and bad, rather for what they are, but uh, yeah, we can do things that can enhance uh, the world health, our own health, the health of the biome. Hmm. Hmm. And simple, what humble. If, what if we are the biome of nature? Yeah. We are host to 15, uh, 10 to the 15th power of viruses inside of us. And we can behave as a virus as well for the planet or the opposite. Yeah, for the good or for the bad. Yeah. Wow. Few last questions, Wayo. Um, what would you say the Wayo 10 years ago? What would you tell from this point on? So there's a monk and he's tending to the garden. He's an old monk. And the student comes and he says, uh, teacher, if this were your last day on earth, what would you be doing? And he smiles. He says, this. So that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Mm. I come here. Uh, there's a lot of carbon copy, you know, one day, the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a life that I that I choose to live and it's simple, humble. Uh, I rejoice in not being sick. Mm. I rejoice that as I go into my 80s that uh, I won't need to be taken care of by others. Uh, that, I could, that I'll be uh, ambulatory, that mm. I'll be able to feed myself, take care of myself. Mm. So the life that I used to have uh, of adventure uh, was exciting, but it wouldn't have led to a good ending. Mm. So they say that um, like a day well spent brings a good sleep, a life well lived brings a good death. And so that's mm. where my thoughts are. What kind of life do I want to live every day so that I can have a good death? Mm. You know, Carlos Castañeda, which I mentioned a while uh -huh. ago, thought that when he died that his body was just going to evaporate. It was going to uh, atomize, mm -hmm. disappear. It didn't happen. But, <laughs> but that's right. But I'm trying to imagine a death where I, I'm sitting here with you and, I, you know, it's, I'll say it's my time. Right. And I'll be smiling and close my eyes. And people have done that. That, that has happened. Mm -hmm. There's been Buddhist monks that... Yeah. It's their time. They sit, they close their eyes, and next time you check on them, they're 
on cache. Yeah, something else at atomized, yeah. evaporized. So what would you tell while you're in five years? What was the reminder? Into the future? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess uh, I've already answered that by saying well, it, it, it's okay to every day to be one of chopping wood and carrying water. Mm. Nice. Why, what are upcoming initiatives for that Casa de Luz is, is, is promoting these days? Anything that we would like to know, that you would like the community to know? Well, we're working on a calendar uh, of events. So instead of Casa de Luz uh, thinking of what to teach, we, we've just made it very comfortable for teachers to come here. And so what we need to get out to the community is the the large variety of events that happen here. Mm -hmm. They're very quite varied. Uh, our good Dr. Massey does microscopy. He'll show you your, wow. your blood and show you your cells. And it, it's very predictable as to your state of health when you look at your blood. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, uh, well, we've got our manager of events here. What are some of the events, Stephanie? We've got family constellations. Family constellations. Um, there's one with the Kirtan. Kirtan. Oh, great. Yeah. Healing circles. Healing yeah. circles. Breath work. Breath work. <laughs> Yoga. Cooking classes. Yeah, cooking classes. So if there's something you feel that you want to share with the rest of the world, I hope you'll come by and check the spaces here at Casa de Luz. Yeah, and every time that I come and I book any of the places for any of the classes, always, it always is this very warm feeling for everyone in the entire class. Before we did this interview, we were discussing as to whether we were going to have it in the dining room mm -hmm. where there's a lot of activity. At, or to have it in a quiet space, which is what we ended up doing. Mm -hmm. But if we would have had it in the dining room, you would have picked up the, on the visual part. And as they say, a, th uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. So if we would have done it in the dining room, you would have gotten, we wouldn't have had to have explained what happens there. Yeah, but we were still going to get some, some shots with knives. We were, we were going to go there. So take, it's going to be part of the of the interview. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. We'll go with that. Now, last two things. Any any invitation for people? And then I'm going to go with the last question. Do you have any invitation for people? Uh, an invitation? Yeah. To come casa or? Uh, I'll say that it's not for everybody. Uh, I think you really have to be ready and decided that you're going to commit your life to wellness, uh, that you're willing to give up things because uh and by the way uh giving up things is a really wonderful heart lightning event where is it in the world where people prepare for death by getting rid of things they don't want to leave a mess behind mm, i'm trying uh, to remember so i'm in that stage of life where i'm getting rid of things so my invitation is that when you're ready we're here uh, we don't want you to have a bad experience if you come to Casa Luz and find that the food is uh, bland and tasteless because that's what uh, newcomers might experience. Mm. 
So no false advertising here. It's humble. Mm -hmm. Very you. powerful in its humbleness. Nice. Wayo, last question. If you could leave the audience with a question, leave them with a question to expand their minds or improve their health or their well-being overall, what would that question be? Oh, I love that because I'm always wondering if I were coming here for the very first time, how, how I would feel. Uh, because one of the things that happens is that I'll sit in the dining room and immediately we all get into some kind of significant conversation. It looks like we all came together mm -hmm. and that we're having a personal meeting. Yet it's always open for others. Hmm. Now the regulars know that. They can go and sit at any table. But my question would be, how can we express to others that it's safe to join groups? <laughs> Tell me if you understood my question. Yeah, how can we explain or express others that it's safe? You see me sitting at a table uh -huh. and I'm deep into conversation and you're hesitant to go sit there mm. because you think you're going to interrupt. Right. But it's not that way. Mm. So I, th this is an ongoing question that I always have. How to get people to feel that they're always welcome. welcomed. Wow. That's a beautiful question. I don't have an answer. I have more questions That's around right. this, which, yeah. I, which I like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to say that I love to live in the question, not in the answer. Right. The question has all kinds of possibilities. The answer is on, it's become singular. And I may, be, I may disrupt this quote by Richard Feynman, who used to say, I'd rather have unanswered questions than unquestioned statements or something like that. So yeah. not questioning something that is stuck. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi uh -huh. had his 16 principles of science of creative intelligence. Huh. You want me to run that by you again? Yes, please. <laughs> 16 principles of science of creative intelligence. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that in the field of all possibilities is a source for all solutions. Mm. And that's, a, that's good advice because sometimes we just live in the one possibility rather than seeing the universality of possibilities. Hmm. While this is such a great conversation. I know we can keep going on, but we're starting. Actually, Knives and I are starting. <laughs> we got to take Knife. Yeah. So is there anything else before, before we, we end up just this Just immense gratitude. Uh, and it's reminding you that uh, I'm just a cog in the machinery. Okay. And you and everyone else that comes here is what makes it happen. Mm. Authenticity. Nice. Thank you, Wayo. Authentic food, authentic people. Nice. Thank you for the work that you are doing, that you have done, that, and that we know that you are going to keep doing. Thank you, so JJ. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Knives. So before we end, I want to thank Knives Monroe from Indie Darlings for the support behind the cameras and production of what you guys are seeing at this moment. Lastly, if you guys enjoyed this conversation with Wyo Longoria here at Casa de Luz, please come first and visit the place and then you can subscribe to the channel, you can subscribe to the yada, 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 all the social media. So this is 
the last episode of this season. My name is JJ Rescas, and I hope to see you online soon in any other medium. Thank you so much, guys. See ya.